listening to WMHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka, where we talk about national issues from a local level through a lens of diversity. It's Wednesday morning, people, and this is your Wednesday morning voice. That's how you know it's Wednesday. It is... Um, Going to be a big snow day today, but we don't have much snow yet. So that is a good thing that I got to be here because I was like, if it snows too bad, I'm not going to be able to do radio. But it did not. So it was the universe saying, do the radio show, Mubarka. (laughs) (laughs) And especially for the topic that I have today. So I'm excited about this topic because it's one of my favorite things. Exercise, <laughs> right? Um, but we are not just talking any exercise. We are talking about sprinkling a little black girl magic on yoga, people. <laughs> and today we have with us two guests, one of our local yoga instructors, Tama Graves. Welcome, Tama, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And on the phone, we have Malika Kareem, who is also a yoga instructor. Thank you, Malika, friend, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So, Tama is a Reiki master teacher, a 200-hour Yoga Alliance registered yoga instructor, and a certified advanced metaphysical healing practitioner. She teaches trap yoga. I loved it. I loved it. (laughs) She teaches trap (laughs) yoga at um, Elisa's House of Salsa, so you definitely want to go and check her out there. And Malika Kareem is a certified yoga instructor who opened her city's first yoga studio exclusively for women which she ran for four years before taking her practice um to taking her practice to a private setting and a corporate wellness environment so we have to one you guys can see the picture on the screen of malika we have two black girl magic yoga instructors Mm -hmm. and i'm going to tell you a little (laughs) bit about my uh journey to find uh, a black yoga instructor (laughs) So, no lie, y'all don't know this, but Mm -hmm. I have been trying to do this show for almost a year. And I could not Mm -hmm. find any local black yoga instructors. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, Mm -hmm. I know black women participate in yoga. And I knew Malika from Facebook. And so I knew that she was. But I was really looking for a local person to add to the show. And then somebody, then Mm -hmm. then. I heard this mysterious, mysterious mm-hmm. rumor about this black yoga instructor up in Hartford <laughs> that I could never find. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there gotta be some black women <laughs> that teach yoga. They like, you gotta be. Mm-hmm. So no, I've been trying to do this for a year. Wow. Oh man. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, first, so we're going to talk about uh, black women in yoga but before I always like uh, my listeners to know a little bit about my guest journey into where they are. So if we can start with you, Tama, what led you to yoga? So uh, I actually first discovered yoga in a Cosmo magazine when I was 12 <laughs> years old. Right. So already, you know, that's not necessarily a magazine for us, but um, it's something about it really pulled me in. 
And it was a, a time in my life where things, you know, weren't so great. And I was, you know, in the back of my mind, even as a child looking for something. And they had um, how to do sun salutations. And so I studied it and I learned how to do it. And I started doing sun salutations every morning, mm. even in middle school. Really? <laughs> yes. So and, and so mm-hmm. that was the, your first experience. That with was your my first experience. With yoga. Yes. <laughs> and so Malika, tell me what led you to yoga? Um, well, I took a extracurricular class in college, um, something that I wanted to not be in my hair in my way of my studies. <laughs> so I figured, hey, I'm good. yoga's on the list. Let's do this yoga. And um, it's something that I know I won't have homework for. <laughs> that was my only interest <laughs> in it. So I took the class and I was like, what in the world? This is kind of amazing. Um, and then the instructor that was teaching the class at the college had said, hey, you know, come over to the studio. Um, I can see that you're really kind of drawn into the practice. So eventually, probably a year or two later, I found her her little flyer crumbled up in a pocket. And I was like, oh, it's free. Okay, I'm going to go check out the class. And um, that was kind of like the beginning of the story. I started practicing regularly there. And then she said, you are a teacher. You need to teach, girl. You need to teach. And I'm just like... I can't really see that happening, <laughs> but eventually uh, after her wearing me down and saying, you know, you got, you have to do this for your community. I was like, I have to do this for my community. Okay, <laughs> let's make it happen. Um, so yeah, it, 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 I decided to do teacher training and become an instructor um, more as a segue or a little break between my career as a biologist and in that whole field while I was getting ready to um, have my first child. I said, I can do that while I'm off of work and home with my child. And it kind of ballooned into a whole lot of other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And I haven't really looked back since. So when you, so we hear this a lot and from, and it also as well as my experience is a lot of black women don't, uh, don't do yoga. Mm-hmm. And even when I go to a yoga class, I am often the only black person there or one of never more than two of us, <laughs> no matter <laughs> wh- what the size of the class is. Mm-hmm. So how did you did, how was your experience in, and I'm sure becoming a yoga instructor is, would be even less. <laughs> um, so how, Tell me how you experienced that space of being a black woman who was getting more involved in the yoga community. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so, wow. Yeah. So that was something that um, I always noticed because, you know, I'm never not aware of of my blackness in a space. Right. You go to any space in your county, how many black people are there. Uh, so I think for me, there were there were two sides of it. The practice itself was very is is always very nourishing for me. So if I focused on that, um, I could definitely still take a lot from it. And on the other hand, um, the reason why I wanted to have a space and do trap yoga was because I wanted a space for Black women to feel like they could kind of let go. 
And even in that space of yoga, as an instructor can say, oh, you don't have to do every pose. Or if you can't do this, then don't do it. I still feel like I have to show up like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> right. Because I am the only or maybe me and someone else are in there. I have to know. They, look, I know how to do this pose. You know, <laughs> like I have to prove something. And which is great because it challenges me. And I'm always, you know, I'm pushing myself harder. But can we create a space where it doesn't have to be that way was um, my inspiration for becoming an instructor. Mm -hmm. So, Malika, you have two challenges uh, or or things that distinguish you. You're both a black woman and a Muslim woman that wears hijab. What was that experience like? I was going to say I probably had a little training (laughs) with being really comfortable uh, with being different and being um, the standout person in the room. So for me, uh, it was, hey, am I going to dwell on this? As long as I had, I, I found that as long as I had something to wear that I felt comfortable in, I realized um, everything about how I was perceived had so much more to do with how I felt about myself versus what other people were thinking. Um, whatever energy I brought into the room was usually magnified and in, into what I received. So if I walked in confident and comfortable, people were, you know, drawn to this uh, this special sparkle or token person in the room who was often the black girl. I mean, um, we actually have a relatively diverse yoga community in the city that I live in, in Richmond, Virginia. Um, so it's not that people never see uh, people never see uh, a yoga a black yoga instructor or a black class participants, um, but certainly no one sees a female black yoga instructor with a scarf on her head and, you know, a longer shirt. So that took some some um, self-work. That really took some time of turning the attention in toward myself and just realizing that I controlled and commanded the, the type of response I was going to receive. And, you know, once I kind of made that connection, it was so – it was smooth sailing. I didn't have a thing to worry about. And um, there were times where I noticed people were um, searching for a certain – fix in their yoga environment. I mean, I would have people come into my class for the first time and Luluman head to toe, just, you know, ready to show their yoga, but they're not really practicing yoga. They're not connecting with the mental part of it that was nourishing that Tima talked about. So they walked away a little disappointed because it's not, nobody's here trying to show both their Luluman. We're like on our mats in Walmart leggings trying to find some inner peace. And if you're not with that, this is probably not going to be the space for you. Um, so that took some getting used to also in letting my tribe kind of find me and not worrying about the ones that didn't fit in with what I was representing as a yoga, a black woman, female yoga instructor. So, so that, that actually brings me to a, another question that I think is really important. A lot of people, and particularly with you, Malika, being a Muslim, um, a lot of people feel like yoga is almost a religion and you have to change something about your spirituality in order to engage in it. Mm-hmm. But everybody approaches their yoga practice in a very different way. How did you, Malika, kind of like resolve that two things or e- and even bring awareness with other Muslim women or more religious women about uh, differentiating what yoga actually is and what people can use it for? 
Well, that's such a great question, and it's a question I find myself talking about so much. Um, <clears throat> without a doubt, I think it's really important to let everyone know and even have this conversation with instructors, because I don't think even instructors realize what it feels to be someone coming into the yoga practice that has a solid faith already. Um, um, it's not really... Uh, it's not really um, a lot of instructors come in with a sense of openness of spirituality that's not well defined. So for them, um, understanding what it feels like to see um, the conflict that is presented um, between, you know, some yoga philosophy and religious beliefs is sometimes something that kind of goes over instructors' heads. So I think it's, it's for me it was important to speak out loud and face it head on and say. I don't personally practice um, a lot of, there are religious and Hindu rituals and practices that are infused in a lot of um, teachings from a lot of instructors. They don't take uh, the care to separate the two um, because it, it's nourishing for them and it provides um, richness to their practice. <clears throat> but they do it without really, I, I think, um, mindfulness and that there is religious connotations to some of the things like the chants um, that are you will find in yoga classes. So for me, it was important just to find pure yoga practice. Um, for mind, body, and soul, and leave any religious rituals um, for people to practice on their own if that is a part of their personal practice. So for me, I don't really practice chant, uh, chanting. Um, I do teach my students uh, the power of vibration and the way that soothes the nervous system. So rather than practicing OM, we will create that sound and vibration by bringing the tip of our tongue to our roof and still creating the same vibration without practicing the actual chant OM because that makes some people uncomfortable. So for me, it was about facing it head on, talking to people about it, explaining to them why certain things they won't see in my class, um, and creating a safe space for those who do need to practice those rituals, allow them to practice it freely and let everyone know that this is about <clears throat> the physical practice and uh, the benefits that we can absorb mentally from just being grounded, being still, and turning our attention inward to our bodies and, and letting that be enough. And, and so, Tama, how do you deal with the spirituality aspect of, uh, of your practice and presenting it to other people? Yes. So um, uh, I definitely... Um, I, I try to focus more on the um, the actions or the tools of, of mindfulness and breath work and um, invite people to create or uh, tap into whatever practice they use to tap into the universe, God, or what what people like to call it for themselves. Um, I, too, don't really incorporate a lot of chanting. Um, and things of that nature um, into my classes because I don't, number one, I'm, I'm very cautious of the idea of appropriation <laughs> um, because like, you know, this is a tradition that is, is not mine. And so when I present things, even though I'm very knowledgeable of them, I don't want to present them um, as if they are mine to give as well. So I want to be cautious of that, especially in using like Sanskrit terms and things of that nature. So for me, it's really about um, exemplifying or embodying the things that were that 
that aligned with me. And it was the, the asana or the poses, the, um, the stillness and the breath work and the alignment. Um, so those are the things I like to emphasize and, and more so less emphasize. Um, and not that I don't talk about, you know, the um, connection um, bet- between you and something that's greater than you. But um, I'm also not there to uh, preach because I want people to everyone to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So. All right. mm-hmm. so if you're if you're listening, then you've been listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka. And today we are talking about black girl yoga. And we have two um, phenomenal black yoga instructors with us, Tama Graves and Malika Kareem on the phone. And so w- this leads me to a real, uh, so I guess probably, probably should have started off with this, right? <laughs> so <laughs> what exactly is your definition of yoga what is yoga and why should people be interested in and, and particularly black women mm. Tamar, you go first mm. uh, so yoga i mean the the definition of yoga is union right so this idea of unifying mind body and spirit um for me yoga is a tool for healing Point blank. And I feel that especially now, um, this is, uh, we need a a space, number one, and a tool to help us um, release stress and um, decompress. And yoga does that, but in a way that you can't just space out, right? With yoga, you have to, you're in touch with your body, but you also have to be in touch with your mind too. It's not like, jogging where you can like kind of go off somewhere if you want to you you have to be tapped into what your body is doing you have to be mindful what's going on in the body um and through this process there is healing that that takes place and um for me it's it's so important as a healing practitioner the root of everything that i do is around around healing um and so that is yeah, so that's that's what I would say. That's why it's so important for me as a person, and and because I am a, a black woman, um, everything that I do, I do for me first, and hope that people that look like me can benefit from it as well. Mm. So, Malika, mm-hmm. how would you define yoga, and why would you encourage a, a black woman in particular to engage in it? Well, um, I want to agree with a lot of what Tima said. I mean, <clears throat> yoga being the union, um, I find myself <laughs> altering alter um, altering that definition depending on the audience that I'm talking to. Because I, I realized over the years of teaching that black women in particular um, are ready for different amounts of um, exposure to their own spirituality, exposure to things that are higher than themselves and what they're experiencing in the moment. So sometimes I'll say it's the union between um, just your breath and your movement, and that's really accessible for a lot of people. Okay, so I can start to feel a connection between me moving and me breathing, but if people are ready for just a deeper sense of what yoga really is, then I'll start saying things like, you know, yoga is the uniting of your movement 
with your mind or um, with your energy or something like that, and then they can start to explore what that means for them. But, yeah, it's definitely the coming together of mind, body, and soul, um, just the way Tima has said. So that would be my my um, explanation of it in a nutshell. As far as who, why I want black women to come and practice, <clears throat> it's because, you know, I think that black women are probably the number one sufferers of um, a lack of self-care and self-compassion. And yoga is a thing, is a guaranteed hour a week or however many times you make it to a practice where your attention is on you, where if you're practicing with a, uh, uh, you know, an experienced teacher, they're going to keep you present with yourself. They're going to keep drawing your mind away from, you know, outside distractions, worries, and burdens and give you time to kind of marinate on yourself. And as black women who are often spread too thin, um, who often don't have the support systems that you find in other um, other demographics, it's it's so necessary. And it's you find a sense of unwinding and, and um, being refreshed and that healing that Tima was referring to um, that can occur. And, and also it can't occur any other way if you're not going to give yourself any attention. Um, no, it doesn't have to be through yoga, but, I mean, uh, yoga is a, wonderful avenue to have that guided um, training or how to focus on yourself, um, something that black women really, really um, don't do enough of. You know, I was I was uh, watching a video about the history of the Black Panthers the other day. And the interesting thing that I found is like how they went uh, overseas and they actually learned Tai Chi to bring that back to the black community mm-hmm. as a practice. Mm-hmm. I actually did not know that. I didn't mm-hmm. know. And I, I, over the last, I would say two years, I've actually learned so much about the black Panthers and the, just the, the details of how they really integrated uh um, economics, health, wellness, all within the black community. And yeah, I think that that's something that a lot of our movements, that, well, all of our movements today, <laughs> all of our major movements today really are missing, right? So we have, you know, movement after movement and we are focused on, uh, you know, uh, resisting quote-unquote hashtag resist Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) right Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're focused on marching yelling screaming uh bringing justice you know speaking truth to power and like malika said there's no kind of focus on okay at the end of the night how do you put that aside and actually replenish your own self because you can't give from an empty cup absolutely and and so how do we as a black community begin to in all of these circles of advocacy and all of these efforts of uh, a lot of the group? How do we begin to incorporate more of a holistic view to the resistance? I'll just call it that right <laughs> now. The resistance. How do you how do we do that as a black community? So, um, (laughs) no, go ahead. (laughs) Okay. Um, well, (laughs) the thing that comes to my mind first is that we need to erase the stigma about um, mindfulness and yoga and things like meditation being 
um, an elitist practice or being um, a luxury. I think that we need to call out <clears throat> the deficiencies that we see in our community as far as um, pulling each other's coats when we see our sisters and our brothers unraveling, oftentimes as a result of stress. <clears throat> and I think if we can do that, and then we say, do you have solutions, and they're real, and they're not foo-foo, and for, you know, <laughs> um, people who, you know, have extra time on their hands, they're actually essential to the quality of your life, and for you to keep doing this amazing work that you're doing in our communities. Um, I think we're so used to seeing our people messed up, <laughs> and I, I mean that in the sweetest way as possible, but we're so used <laughs> mm -hmm. to seeing our people stressed, um, cranky, uptight, um, lacking of compassion, <clears throat> and that we don't uh, we don't uh, really call each other toward addressing those issues enough. <clears throat> and if we spend a little more time saying, "Hey, how can we work on this issue?" I think that people will see the need, and then they would um, look for avenues to resolve their, the, those issues, and they'll find that in stillness and in meditation and in yoga. Um, and just, you know, the, 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 the black teachers out there continuously reaching out and being accessible and being affordable um, is a way that we can play our part to support that, that motion. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. One of the, the biggest things is actually calling it out and calling it what it is, calling out burnout, calling out stress, calling out, you know, um, the roots of dis-ease and imbalance and a lot of times the root of those are stress. Um, I work with uh, a, a few organizations in New Haven that work with organizers and social justice activists. And uh, one of the things that I like to emphasize with them when I work with them is that your work is so important and we need you here for the long run. <laughs> so in order to do that, we need you to be healthy. We need you to be whole. And that includes um, not just, you know, physically healthy, but men mentally strong. And um, these, these, you know, what we call alternative healing ways can actually help with that. And um, yes, it's also true. We have to get out of our heads and that this isn't for us. We have to, you know, let that go that this isn't for us because it's here. And if you're, you're witnessing it and you see someone that looks like you doing it, you know, at least give it a try. <laughs> so, so how do we distinguish between, so let's just talk about kind of like this new self care, you know, hopefully that it becomes a trend. Um, how do you distinguish between someone who says, well, I do self-care, I get my manicure, I get my pedicure, <laughs> like that's my me time. You know, how is that different than me spending an hour going to do yoga? <laughs> Girl. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Malika. You go. Um, I mean, so different. And we, I mean, I don't, I think that that's just so old and played out at some point. I'm, you know, people know that I'm, I am real as can be. I, if you're going to come to me with that, I'm going to explain to you, mm -hmm. um, how one, you, 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 your, your priorities, you got to talk about those. We really have to talk about those. Um, a lot of times meditation is free. Can we just start there? <laughs> um, sitting at home mm -hmm. in a comfortable space and quiet and stillness is free. <clears throat> um, YouTube is free. 
So when we when I hear, you know, this the outcrying for, you know, I can't afford a ten dollar class, but you know, and then we talk about self care and why it's necessary and you come back, Well, I do do self care. You know, I just got hair done for hundred and twenty five dollars and my nails done for forty <laughs> Then I, I take that pause and I look at you and I, I sit with you. <laughs> and I let you put those numbers together in your head and realize that, um, you know, there's at some point you have to just acknowledge that we're making excuses. And I think to us being real and authentic and talking to our people in a way that um, they're going to hear you right away is 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 most effective. You know, it's a huge difference. There's mind care, then there's self-care, and there's superficial level, which these things can feel really good to us as well because, I mean, if we're neglecting our bodies and we don't feel as beautiful and pampered as we could be, those things affect us. But if our mind at the end of the day is still cluttered, burdened, confused, you know, having our nails done is not going to provide the result we're looking for. You got anything to add to that? I mean, Absolutely. It's just what comes to mind is that uh, an expression and I'll do the PG version is that you can't put sugar on doo-doo. Right. So, (laughs) you know, it's it's sweet on the outside. Right. But what happens when the nails start chipping and the hair goes flat again? And what's what's going on on the inside? How are you really taking care of that uh, that thing that's that's on the inside that is really um, destroying you? (laughs) When we talk, and I think, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Malika. I was just going to add that I think there is, we don't really understand the difference between temporary bursts of joy and happiness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in black women, we don't have a lot of time to talk about these things in our upbringing. We haven't had a lot of time. There's often, our plates are often overflowing. So I think just also as being yoga instructors to expand our own offerings to teaching more and creating these spaces where women can tell the difference between I did something that felt good and I'm happy because mm-hmm. I'm finding that a lot of women don't really know that difference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, that's a really, really good point. Uh, that is true. When I, it seems that a lot of people really have a hard time doing what I guess in, in healing communities would be called the internal work. Right. Mm-hmm. And people don't, I don't think really understand that concept and how it affects the rest of their lives. How would you, um, how would you describe doing the internal work, Taima, and 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 how does that reflect and change people? So yeah, doing <laughs> doing the internal work is it's. Um, Basically, it's it's really finding time to go within um, and going within can be sitting still um, in silence. And really, uh, a lot of times I, I will guide people first to, you know, scan the body. Right. And a lot of times when we sit in stillness and we scan our body, we'll find that we can tap into um, emotions that are just stuck in different different parts of our body. Um, and we, we don't know why. And I think that is the scary part, right? If you're just sitting there and you start breathing and then all of a sudden you're bursting into tears, you're like, wait a second, (laughs) what is that? And it's scary for people because, um, it, it, in that little nugget of your body, you're holding a a trauma, a memory, Mm -hmm. something that you stuffed way down deep and said, I will never touch that again. Mm -hmm. Thinking that doing that is actually, um, letting it go. 
mm-hmm. when it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not letting it go and it's sitting there and it's festering. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it in, you know, and in that, you know, when it's sitting there and it's festering, what happens is throughout our life, then it turns into these um, aches, these pains, these diseases, mm-hmm. these mental imbalances. Right. So it's so, in, in, you know, the the act of really tapping into that work and and transforming it, you transforming it, you transform it by releasing it. But in order to release it, you got to go in there. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and that's really scary for a lot of people. And it's not an overnight process. It's it's a um, it's a journey of doing that. And and to me, that's why, you know, yoga is amazing for me when I um, I stopped doing yoga for a while. You know, I wasn't doing it from 12 on to now. You know, I took some I took a break. And one of the first yoga classes I went into was a yin yoga class where you actually hold the poses for longer periods of time. And we started to do work on the hips and I just started crying and I didn't know why there wasn't a memory that came up, but just all this emotion started to come up. And I realized, wow, I'm I'm holding a lot in my body. Mm. Um, and so and, and a lot of times we don't take the time to recognize that. Mm. And uh, so, yeah. So I don't know where else I was going with that. I don't know the rest <laughs> of the that's you know it's really interesting that you talk about that because what i find is that when you don't intentionally do the internal work it comes Mm -hmm. out in random times exactly i I remember a particular a conference (laughs) that i was at uh, a couple of years ago um and it's a black muslim psychology conference so it's look you know we're talking about you know really deep stuff and like we started talking about the the um, presenters started talking about the emotional toll of being a black woman and being the mother of black boys and the wives of black men. And like these tears just started sh- streaming down my face and I like don't know where they were coming from. And I was like and I realized how much that I was holding. Like, I think that I was the reason why she said Let's take a five minute break <laughs> and recollect ourselves because this is mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because like I like literally could not stop the tears. And mm-hmm. I my five minute break, I'm calling my husband. I'm like, I did not realize <laughs> how much I was holding it. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it will come out like random times. So if mm-hmm. you do not want to be crying at a random conference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Malika, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about your your concept of internal work and and how that affects people. Um <laughs> I think I think Tima just hit so many, many important points. But <clears throat> I mean, just to go back to uh the example of, of having capacity. I think as black women we are taught that we can do it all, we're supposed to do it all. Um it's like the superwoman complex. And, you know, we're taught to kind of ignore our limitations and our our, um, our 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 capacity to care, to do, to act, um, to be. And for me, internal work is just understanding that, you know, I can do amazing things and, and you know, sharing that message with, with others, but then also acknowledging my humanness and that I don't have anything to prove and I'm not a boundless individual and no one else is. And, you know, uh, we need to face the things that we are um, letting fall to the wayside in order to support this 
superwoman persona. Um, and I think when you, you know, take that strong and honest look at yourself and what it is you're carrying and what's filling your cup, um, you can begin to see, you know, where boundaries are and where boundaries are not that should be. And um, it's just a great place to start when we're trying to, when we feel things are out of balance and we feel like there is some internal work um, or little tune-ups that we can make, you know, just examining life and seeing where do I feel as if I'm overflowing, what feels like it's flowing well, um, and giving observation of both those spaces, you know. And I think just just observing things is a wonderful tool um, to reveal to you organically just what it is is the next actionable step. Taking time to observe, taking time to, um, you know, with an honest eye. So much, so often we just kind of do and work and keep grinding, 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 and just there's just not that pause to observe what's really going on and observe, you know, you feel like you're so awesome, but actually you've been neglecting things that are really important to you and it doesn't feel good. And it's lingering that, you know, that negative energy is building up in you because you know you're not giving your best to some area in your life that maybe is really important to you. And it's just something that you can't notice if you don't do the internal work. And, and like I said before, that that internal work for me is just um, taking moments to pause and observe. So um, I, not necessarily judge or anything like that. Just just observe and it kind of, you'll be so surprised what comes to you. I kind of feel like I did not do justice in the opening of the show because I said, oh, this is about my favorite topic, exercise. Yoga is so much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> like, we haven't even talked about the exercise part of it yeah, yet. I heard that. <laughs> like, yes. So that was a little false prelude, people. <laughs> so, but there are physiological benefits to doing yoga and mm-hmm. meditation. And can we can can one of you distinguish the difference between yoga and meditation? They are often used interchangeably or with one another. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? So, um, so, it, so they are different, but the, in the same. So, yoga was um, was created uh, for meditation. It was created because um, in in India the people would sit and meditate for a long time. And in order to do that, you have to prepare the body um, for that. So um, especially in today, a lot of the moves that you see um, in today's yoga classes weren't necessarily the original moves. They've been expanded and people have added different moves. A lot of the moves were um, seated positions um, because it was preparing you to sit. Mm. So, um, so yes, yeah, so that is the connection between yoga and meditation. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So uh, t- let's talk a little bit about the physiological benefits. Malika, how can people, because it is a, you're physically moving your body to do certain things. How does that benefit one on a physiological level? Um, <clears throat> um, as a beginner, I think the primary benefit is just um, a strong and powerful circulation. Um, When you're moving your body uh, and you're having yourself open up in certain places that have been kind of bound up 
<clears throat> when you're taking these different poses that you haven't, that your body's not used to being in, it just creates a sense of openness for blood to flow into muscle groups and, and areas of the body that often don't get fabulous circulation. Um, so I think that's one reason why people feel so electric at the end of a, a yoga class is just, wow, you gave like a lot of nooks and crannies in your body some love that you haven't given in a while. Um, and that love physiologically being excellent circulation. Um, another piece would probably be uh, just the massaging of the parasympathetic nervous system, um, you know, lowering cortisone levels. <clears throat> and this provides that sense of um, calm and uh, a groundedness which, you know, people often report at the end of a yoga class as well. So, I mean, they're biologically lowering stress hormones in their body when they take that time to um, to move, to breathe, and those two in combination is what creates the magic. Because there, there's a lot of, you know, uh, physiological, well, when I read about when you there's yoga poses for PMS symptoms. There's yoga poses for constipation. There's yoga poses mm -hmm. for, I mean, they even have yoga poses that, for fertility. They have yoga poses. So there's a lot of things that yoga is attached to to help with. I never use the word cure, but to help with uh, um, physical ailments. Do you... Yeah, I mean, I think that some most of that is just, um, you know, a yoga pose may massage a certain gland or, um, you know, stimulate digestion through twisting in yoga that will help with, you know, you'll notice after doing a few twisting poses, you'll have a more vigorous uh, elimination or just an activation of your digestion. Um, so I think that's what the pose does for the inside of your body that's providing or stimulating or supporting these different ailments and, and creating more balance. You have anything to add to that? So we have about uh, five more minutes left to the show. And I always like to leave listeners with some kind of like very pr practical ways of, that they can apply some type of advice. So how would you recommend Tama for someone to just get started experimenting? Someone who's like a little apprehensive, mm -hmm. like I'm not sure about this. How would you, how would you get them started? Um, personally, or just like creating a practice, um, I would say first try it out on YouTube, yeah. like in your house at home. Like that is to me the, the best way to, to get started. So that way, you know, because some people are a little leery about stepping into something that they don't know in front of a lot of people. So um, it, it's just like anything. Like the other week, week I went to a concert with a uh, performer that I didn't know. So I listened to some of the music before <laughs> I went to the concert so I could sing at least knew some of the lyrics. You mm -hmm. know, that is, that's the same, you know, with yoga to, to allow yourself to kind of get past that I have no idea what I'm doing at all. There's a great resource in YouTube. There are so many. You can find beginner's classes. You can find classes of any length on YouTube. But just try it there. So that way, if you want to try, because I always encourage to go to a, a group setting class. There's just a different feel there. 
but you know do a little research first and so that way you're like oh I know what down dog is you know (laughs) I know what that is you know (laughs) so you have a little bit um but that's and and you know and continue because also you know a thing is is for a lot of people is is financial um you know uh setbacks or whatever YouTube or you know whatever the internet is a great resource for free yoga Mm. (laughs) Malika how would you recommend someone get started in their yoga journey um, I think Timo was, you know, hit the nail on the head, but <clears throat> I would just add that you don't need to start off with uh, affected, the affected effectiveness of yoga doesn't have to be in an hour or even 45 minutes. So I would just recommend just set a goal of maybe I'm going to spend 10 minutes on my mat and kind of see what happens naturally, especially if you've been to a group class before, you may or may not remember a couple of the things that you you did in class, but you might, you know, after sitting there for 10 minutes and playing with a pose or two, you might think of, hey, let me see what this feels like in my body. Or, you know, I saw this picture here. Let me see what that feels like. And as long as you're doing things with enough confidence that you're being safe, I think it's important to kind of just commit to a certain a modest length of time of being on the mat and just see what kind of happens in that time, but just commit to a certain time to arrive there. So you know that something's happening. <laughs> and even if it's just a few poses, that's that's making great strides. I want to really thank you ladies for joining me. Um, and I really enjoyed the show that I was finally able to do. <laughs> because I think it's, it's such an important part of kind of like expanding this conversation about the healing of the black community. I really think that the, this is an important topic. Malika, can you tell us, tell our listeners how they can follow you or get in touch with you? Sure. Um, I, my yoga brand is Pure Yoga and Wellness. And you can certainly follow my <clears throat> Facebook page. It's PURE. PURE is an acronym, so it's P.U.R.E. Um, pure Yoga and Wellness. Uh, and you can also find me on Instagram, Pure Yoga um, underscore Wellness. <clears throat> or you can find me on Facebook as Malika Kareem. And I'd love to chat with you in any of those spaces. Or you can send me an email at pureyogarva at gmail.com. Thank you. And yeah. Tama, tell mm-hmm. us about how, tell us about the trap, tell us about when is trap yoga class here in New Haven yes. and how people can get in touch with you if they like. Awesome. So yes, trap yoga uh, is at Elisa's House of Salsa in uh, the Westville area of New Haven uh, on Mondays at 530. Um, I'm on a bit of a hiatus until March 19th. So Monday, March 19th, we'll be back up 530. And also I'll be doing a Saturday class on March 24th at 12 o'clock at Elisa's House of Salsa. Uh, And you can get in touch with me on Facebook uh, as Tama Graves, or I also have my uh, business pages, Holistic Soul Energy, and that's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C, Holistic Soul Energy. And also you can get in touch with me on Instagram at uh, as T-Soulstar, so the letter T-Soulstar. Awesome. Well, thank you, ladies, and thank everyone for listening. You've been listening to Mornings with Mubaraka on Wednesday morning, and I remind you this week, as I do every week, go upon your week to be a voice and not an echo.